Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, before we get started, we want to welcome all the new listeners and welcome back all the repeat listeners. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, just let the listeners know what our show is about and why they should be listening to us every week. Uh, the show is pretty much about news and politics. Uh, we created this show for people that don't follow news and politics on a day-to-day basis. We try to break it down for you once a week for you to listen to in an hour or less. And today we got some great topics for you. are going to be discussing DC Missing Girls. Bill O'Reilly stepped into it again, and we also got the king of the late gate, Montrez Slater, with us. Uh, before we get into all that, we started to something light. And for those of you who plan on seeing the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix, I want to encourage you to probably fast forward the next 20 seconds. Spoiler alert. But uh, Frank, he rapes, but he saves. Not Dave Chappelle, but that was one of the jokes that he told about what if we had a superhero that had to rape in order to save people. Uh, It offended a lot of people. He also told some jokes about transgenders. Um, My question for you, because for the black comedian, I think that's the only place where we have where black people have that privilege, where they can say things that white people can't say or any other comedian can say. Uh, In your opinion, can a black comedian go too far or is there it you know, is there a line that they shouldn't cross? Do you have any subjects in particular where no one should ever touch black comedian or not? And do you understand people being offended by the whole he rapes, but he saves? I mean, I think, so I'll answer that in two parts. Yes, anything that has to do with pedophilia, I'm not going to be down with. I don't care who, if it's a woman, if it's a man, gay, straight, whatever, uh, black, white, that's, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make jokes about that kind of, say, say, like a Jerry Sandusky, that, those kind of jokes wouldn't be funny to me. Uh, it would be out of place. Um, as far as the other jokes about, you know, obviously bringing up rape or sexual assault, it's a very sensitive subject, certainly in today's uh, world. I kind of feel like this, though. If you're going to a a comedy show and you know it's kind of an explicit thing, you're going to hear some things that kind of push the the envelope that are kind of raunchy. Uh, There's been raunchy comics there. You know, you think about, you know, Andrew Dice Clay was a raunchy comic. Bob Saget is surprisingly raunchy, believe it or not. And I'm bringing up white comedians just, just as a contrast. So, I mean, yes, Dave Chappelle made a couple of raunchy comments. And, you know, Eddie Murphy in the past, not that he's doing stand up anymore, but. All these comics, Eddie Murphy, Martin, you think about them, you hear their stand-up, it's pretty raunchy. If you listen to it, you're like, whoa, you know. Um, obviously, the he rapes and he saves is, 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 is taken out of context. It sounds very coarse, but Dave Chappelle is a great stand-up comedian. And, you know, in the flow of things, I can see what he was doing with his set. He, he had, he had, a, he had a, um, a purpose behind his, his madness, a method to his madness, so to speak. So... I don't think he went too far, but the only other area that I think you can go too far is pedophilia. Other than that, it's fair game. It's fair game to me. You and I have seen one of the more raunchy comedians in Corey Holcomb. And um, it seems like every, I've seen him three times now. And it seems like there's always at least one or two people that either wind up leaving or you can tell they're extremely offended. And so if you're going to see a comedian that you've never seen before, I would invite you to YouTube that person. Uh, because some of them can push the envelope. I know Corey Holcomb does. I'm a fan. I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, I do find him funny. With that, let's get into some politics. 
are listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Frank and episode of Politically Entertaining. We ask that you subscribe. We're on YouTube. We're on iTunes. We're on Podbean, Stitcher Radio and podcast on Google Play. So subscribe. Uh, check us out. We're also on Facebook and Instagram under Politically Entertaining. Frank, the House Intelligence Chairman, Devin Nunes. Where do I begin with this guy? Okay, so his committee is in charge of investigating this whole link between the White House, the the Trump administration and um, Russia. Well, he also was looking into, you know, the, the tweets that Trump made earlier this month about Obama spying on him. So they were looking into that. And this guy, he went and gave information on what they found to the administration before he did his own committee. Second, we find out that he was on White House grounds like a day or two before even um, breaking this news about the evidence that he found. The ranking member who is a Democrat, Adam Schiff, has asked him to resign. He uh, has not. And here's my problem with this, Frank. So last year, when the Justice Department was investigating Hillary Clinton, uh, Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton happened to be at the same airport on the same tarmac, and they wind up stepping off to the side, having a conversation. Republicans were outraged at this, and she wound up, you know, recusing herself from the rest of the proceedings. They were outraged at this, and you hear hardly a cry at all. Speaker Ryan has not said he's going to make uh, Nunes step down or anything like that. So the Senate Intelligence Committee is going to pick this up this week. My question to you is, have you lost any confidence in the House Intelligence Committee with what's going on with uh, Congressman Nunes? Or uh, this has been a bad week for the House in particular. Their, their um, health care bill failed. And then you have all this stuff surrounding the committee. But my question for you, Frank, is have you lost confidence in the House Intelligence Committee or could this just be simply just bad judgment on the part of Congressman Nunes and that everything will still be on the up and up, as they say? I don't th- I don't see how you couldn't at least at the at the least be you're going to at least if you're I don't know, you have to at least be suspicious, in my opinion. Uh, if you go all the way, you can be downright there. There's definitely there. They're trying to cover up something. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm going to wait and see. Let's see what happens. It, it, it was in horrible judgment. He should certainly, in my opinion, a strong case for him to resign. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's certainly, let's put it like this. I'm a, I'm a huge Miami Hurricane fan. You know that. I'm, I'm a Hurricane alum. Let me say that even better. Class, two, class of 2003. Yeah, go nose. Uh, so yeah, go the, reason, the reason why I say that is Miami was embroiled in a huge scandal um, that involved Nevin Shapiro, who was involved in a Ponzi scheme, and there was some money that may have changed hands, some players. It was it was a lot to that, and Miami was facing big, big sanctions from that. And the case ended up fizzling out because it, it was it found out that the NCAA had actually illegally interviewed. Nevin Shapiro's lawyer to basically get information and they did not have they didn't basically go through the proper channels to do that and so because of the improper information they lost most of their investigation and with that being said Miami was able to uh, escape a, a huge penalty and the reason why I say that is because 
anytime there's a conflict of interest in an investigation, it compromises the investigation. So at, at best right now, the investigation is compromised. And I think that is very important that it be, it be nipped in the bud so that we can at least salvage whatever information may have been compromised and, and try to do the rest of it straight. So I just think that it's a very difficult position and, and, and people aren't going to say anything, at least on the conservative side, because we're so partisan, sadly, that people don't understand that it's a huge disservice to not find out the truth about the United States government potentially being infiltrated by a foreign power. It is the biggest, uh, one of the biggest security holes you can have in a country. I know that we talk about a lot of other things, like we talk about social injustice, police brutality, things like that. But what you don't understand is everybody in this country is at stake if we have a foreign intelligence uh, mole in, in, our, in our White House, and certainly at, a, at the highest level. What what adds to the suspicion is Nunes was uh, sort of like a surrogate for uh, Trump in the uh, in during his campaign. So you have that, and instead of him resigning, I think it would be a good look if he at least recused himself from this investigation. He doesn't necessarily have to resign, but I think that would be a good look for him. Uh, from the most powerful in uh, Washington D.C. to the most vulnerable. D.C. Missing Girls was trending last week. Uh, celebrities, Taraji, Hens- Taraji P. Henson, LL Cool J, among others, uh, latched on to this hashtag of D.C. Missing Girls, Find Our Girls. Uh, it was all over social media. And what sparked this was somewhere on social media, it got published that 14 girls, 14 black girls in the last 24 hours have come up missing. Now, I hate to get into this because I know there are a lot of conspiracy theorists out there. This is from my research that I found. That is not true. There have never at no time has there ever been 14 girls at one time going missing in in, in 24 hours in D.C. And actually, overall, the numbers are down. They've gone from about 200 missing reports per month to a about 175 to 190 per month. So the numbers in D.C. have gone down. Uh, This year alone, over 500 have been reported missing. They usually find these people. Uh, The data changes daily. When I last looked, there were a total of 38 open cases currently. Ten of them were black females under the age of 18. Here's the thing, though. It's not so much that they're missing. Most of them are what they call runaways. These are teens that, you know, on their own free will have chose chosen to leave their home due to whatever uh, conditions are going on there. So I'm going to say a, a little bit more on this in a minute, but I do want to know how closely have you followed this story? And did you see all of the posts on social media about the D.C. Uh, missing girls? Yes, I did. And I actually read uh, the similar similar article to you to realize that it wasn't the number was a little bit exaggerated and that they've actually been putting things out on social media to help alleviate some of the problems when when uh, how would you say African-American or Hispanic or other minority girls are missing to help get more eyes on it, because I think we all know. Uh, the the typical if if you're white and you go missing you get a little more attention than if you're black and you go missing I think they they're actually trying to do better with that I think that there's still a perception that exists though that if a black kid runs away that you know they ran away from something at home and you know it's it's not as big a deal but I I, I maintain that if any child at that age you know you're talking about eight to twelve 
you know, or teen, even teenager, um, it's, it's a very serious thing because where are they running to? You're running away. You might be running into a worse situation. Yes, you could be in a bad situation at home, but there's there's a lot of bad people out there, and especially with a young girl. We both have daughters, obviously different ages, but certainly we don't want them running away into the into the arms of another person, another family who may not who may have harm or or a negative um, you know negative consequence in for them. So I think it's very important to. For, for real everybody realize that this is everybody's problem when, when kids are running away it's not something that can just be ignored because oh they're running away from something it's like there needs to be a, a check on why they ran away and so that even when the child returns home it needs to be investigated what do they run away from other is there a drug problem at home is there an abusive uh parent or sibling or something else going on i think these things need to be looked at more closely and you know i don't have an issue i know some celebrities got behind it and they you know, may have mistakenly thought that these girls were missing, but I still think it's good that people are being active and understanding that this is a problem. And I hope that things are done in law enforcement that when these runaways are reported, they investigate why they run away and try to figure that out to 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 keep the number even lower. Man, you pretty much said everything I was about to say. Uh I know there's a lot of police distrust, so that's why I started my original comments off like I did, because when D.C. police came out and said, no, that those numbers aren't true. I know some people were rolling their eyes and say, here we go again. They're trying to hide the fact that these black girls are missing. Uh, my thing is this, though. Let's let's say and I, I believe the reports that I've read. Let's say, you know, the police are 100 percent correct that most of these girls are runaways and are not, quote, missing. For the listeners, does that make you care less? Because like Frank said, it's still an issue. If they're running away from home, they're running away from something. Uh, Whether the mother has an abusive boyfriend, like you said, drugs. It's still a problem because young girls that run away from home that age, they usually turn into a victim or a criminal. And so it's not good. Those are the women that become your prostitutes or turn to some type of uh, thievery or robbery. So it's still a problem. And it's still a major issue. And I'm glad, even though uh, it came from a mistake, uh, a, a wrong uh, data a story, if you will. I'm glad that it got the attention that it get. My only hope is that it stay that it's sustained and that we continue to have, you know, this this attention that we're paying to it. And my thing is this, you know, if once you found out that they were runaways, you said, oh, OK, well, then it's not a problem and you no longer care. You're part of the problem and you're part of the fake outrage that I hate so much on social media. You just latch on to what's trending. And and once it dies down, you move on to the next subject. This is something that should be cared about. And I applaud. I know a lot of times we don't always, uh, I guess, paint the police in the best light. But I think this is a good thing that they're doing. And the mayor of D.C. has also said that. You know, in addition to uh, publicizing these runaway girls and missing girls, they're also going to try to get to the root of the problem in the homes of, of why these girls are running away and try to solve that as well. So uh, I'm glad that it got the attention that it got, even if it was for from the wrong information. Uh, speaking of outrage, Frank and I, we have uh, a total of four posts now on four articles on Black Awakenings. You can go to blackawakenings.com, click on the menu tab. Click on the Byron and Frank tab and you can see our articles on there. Uh, We've gotten some interesting comments on some of our articles, so to speak. Uh, 
So check that out. We've, we're having fun with, with these articles and we encourage all feedback. You don't have to agree with us. We just, uh, you know, want you to be engaged. Frank and I are definitely enjoying that. Uh, but for now, speaking of somebody that enjoys what they do, uh, we're about to talk to Montrez Slater, uh, King of the Gate, Late Gate Radio. If you've ever seen any of his shows, he has a lot of energy. So uh, check out this interview. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. He is the host of Late Gate Radio, King of the Gate, Montrez Slater, a.k.a. Slatron the Dawn. The what's happening, man? Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? I'm glad to be here. Man, rarely do Frank and I have the uh, same person on our guest list. He usually has his list. I usually have mine. He mentioned you, and I was like, you know, I, I wanted him on, too, so that's cool. So, man, hey, appreciate pleasure, you coming man. on, bro. Hey, uh, I appreciate the guys asking, man, for real, for real, for real. I wanted I wanted to start out by asking you, um, y'all y'all burning down sections of I-85 down there, dog? Man. What's going on? To be, to be honest with you, man, I don't know what's going on, but one thing it did do, it it. it this then took the city up to a whole nother level as far as traffic. <laughs> it's like we got the LA Express, New York traffic, and Atlanta traffic all at one time. So it's crazy, man. Yeah, man. I really don't know what happened. Atlanta traffic was already bad, but I'm glad everybody's safe and didn't get hurt. But uh, let's let's get into the, the real questions. Uh, first off, I want to start off. What what gave birth to the idea of late gate radio? And for the people that haven't checked out an episode yet, what can they expect when they watch uh, and tune in to an episode of Late Gate? Well, to be honest with you, the term Late Gate actually started 20 years ago when I went to, um, I was attending Alabama A&M University, and I'm a, me and a group of my friends that we were always, you know, kind of started kicking it at 12 o'clock at night. And then it just became like, man, we out here on the gate. We out here on the Late Gate. So, you know, it kind of started from that, but it was something that we always carried throughout the years, you know, from original people that we met when we first was at college. You know, that was our, like, our little cold words. Like, we still kicking it, you know, so it's still going. So, you know, it kind of started from that. And, um, and you know, I started with late-day promotions maybe about five years ago here in Atlanta because I was working with a um, black-owned marketing company. And I, and I learned a lot on the working under their wings. They made me the um, manager of their print shop. So doing that, I learned a lot in once I changed careers and kept kept going, I always loved music. I always stayed with the promotion. So um, actually, one night I was just sitting in my kitchen. I had my laptop open. I'm always listening to music on the Internet. And I was like, man, there's a lot of these artists that never get heard. So why don't I just start playing it for them just out of the kindness of my heart? And that's really how I started, man. I got a, um, really the first night that I did it, I was just like, man, Late Gate Radio. I was, I was already repping Late Gate, so I just put radio at the end. And yeah. the people just kind of came to it and, and it's just been going ever since. Man, that's, that's how it do- started. That's, that's dope right there. Um, and you mentioned the, the underground artists that you play. I, I noticed from the episodes I've seen you play a lot of their music. Now, are you selective in who you play? Like, have you ever gotten a song that you said, ah, nah, I, I ain't rocking with that? Or do you pretty well, much play whoever whoever submits to you? Well, to be honest with you, I try to. I, I created a platform for every artist to be heard. But the, the music, the underground music that's been coming, it's been so strong that 
when I do get a person or, or just a total stranger out the blue to hit me with an email, I respond to every email. I kind of, it's like we already have a relationship because we are, I, I start a conversation with them off the top and I, I listen to the song. And if it's something that that's not maybe recorded right, maybe you need to go in and get it mixed down a little better, I won't put it out there because I want each artist to get the best attention possible that they can and have it. And, you know, just try to have the music as clear as possible. So everybody's song don't get played, but everybody gets gets a response from me, and I kind of tell them what they may need to go and do, not trying to tell them what to do with that music. But, you know, go back in and record it, put some more ad-libs on it, you know, put some, um, you know, go and stack your music a little bit. That way the, the depthness of the music can be heard, and you can get a full response from total strangers either way it goes. So, you know, I try to, you know, just be as honest with them, so therefore they won't feel let down if, if the people not thumbing up or people not commenting on their song. So, you know, I just try to do it that way for them. But everybody gets played. Everybody. That's real. That's real. That's what's up. <clears throat> hey, I'm gonna jump in here, Slate. Uh, and the main thing that I've noticed is like you are you your energy on the videos to me is just contagious. Like sometimes I scroll by and like uh, and I say I just stop there because you'd be like, who I'm checking in, check in, check in. So I think that's really cool <laughs> that you do that, right? But one of the things I want to say is, you know, hip hop music and certainly you know I've, you know some of the lyrics are obviously explicit and they say things. Do you have you got any negative feedback? from uh anybody saying oh you know you're promoting that kind of negative music you know yes great you're an entrepreneur but at the same time that music is not necessarily always positive have you ever gotten that kind of feedback and if so what was your response man to be honest with you bro i have and it's a blessing i have never received any negative feedback because it's i believe the people are there more for the content because i'm a very like i'm an open person you know, and I'm a loving person, and that's, I guess it's a, I always tell myself that my grandmother left me here with her heart, where she had a kind heart. So, and I believe in uplifting people, so I believe more people be there for the, for the, for the, for the social commentary more than the music, but they enjoy the music. You know, I, I, I leave it open for all genres. We have poets, we have, um, rappers, singers, you know, we, the board is covered on all genres of music. I want somebody to submit some country music because I want everything, but, I give a lot of positive energy, you know what I'm saying, and um, and I and I give attention. I, I I interact with everybody who pop up on the screen. I try to at least give them a shout out. So you know, it's kind of like a when you come on late day radio, man, you feel like you're walking into your home and everybody running up to you, giving a hug, and that's that's the feeling that I get out of it. So and um, and I try to give that energy back to it. If it's just one listener on there, I'm still gonna be on there as if it's a hundred thousand people on there, and I'm gonna give it the same energy. So. I have never received any negative feedback. I receive a lot of positive feedback as far as keep going and don't stop. It don't matter what happens. You know, just stay down with it. And really, when I sit there in my chair in front of that phone and with my laptop right there, I'm in my happy place. So, like, I really love it. Like, I'm not doing it for the money. I haven't made any money from any artist from doing what I'm doing. But I know, the, I see the bigger picture in it, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy with that. And that's a, that's a great thing that you're saying. You said one of the things you brought up, you said you don't, you're not taking any money from it. One of the things that obviously in politics, we, you hear us talk about sometimes is you hear about donations and things like that. Is, is, do you see yourself becoming any, in any way aligned with any political movements, uh, going forward? Obviously, you know, the country's very, very divided. Hip hop has always been a sort of a unifying presence going, you know, going back and you listen to, you know, artists, you think about guys like Public Enemy and, uh, guys that really had a message in, in their music is that something you could see yourself maybe uh spinning yourself towards finding artists that promote that especially with the climate the way it is in america with politics of course you know if there's anything that's promoting anything positive or 
if, you know, I, I, I understand that I'm a vessel and I'm going to be used in a lot of different ways, but I can only be used in a way that I allow myself to be used. So it's something that I morally believe in and some things that I wouldn't mind standing behind and giving my all. I, of course, I would love to do that. I wouldn't shut the door on any opportunity that, that, would, that would have a positive impact on the community, on the world, or, or abroad. So, of course, I, I would love to get involved in things like that. And actually, I have, I have some friends who who are um, involved in politics, but, you know, I, I don't mention their names, but they, they check in on Lake Gate and they send me encouraging uh, emails and things like that. So, you know, I would love to get involved in things like that. Slatron the Don, again, Montreal Slater, host of Lake Gate <laughs> Radio. Um, Frank Frank mentioned this a little bit in his first question, man. But when I, when I see you on Lake Gate Radio, man, I think, no one should be allowed to have that much fun like you do on it. It, it genuinely looks fun, man. Your energy. Are you, are you, do you drink Red Bull and vodka before or, or five hour energy? Or, or is that just natural Montreal Slater energy that we're seeing? Hey, Byron, man, that's naturally me. I'm still in condition like 1997. You know, I just get me a Bud Light and I check in, man. <laughs> now, okay, so it's natural. So would you would you do it on a day that you're not feeling it? Like uh, if, it's, if it's time to record Late Gate Radio and you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm real t- I'm tired today. Would you would, do you treat it like a job and would you still do it regardless of how you feel or would you not want to cheat your listeners and just take that day off until you're back to having that natural energy that we used to seeing? Well, of course, you know, the human body does get tired, but, you know, I, this is something that I started. This is my grind. Every Wednesday you see that show, B, I'm tired, though, because, you know, I work with a job, I work, I work with a job court throughout the day. So, you know, I get mentally drained by all the, the problems through from the students and this and that and the third and this and that and the third. So, you know, it's like I'd be drained before I even get home, but, you know, I kind of got myself in routine where I come home and I kind of relax on the days that I do do the show so I can give it my all. But yeah, a lot of times I don't feel like sitting there. I don't, but I don't go off of emotions. I don't, like, I consider myself to be a, a strong man, so I don't deal with what I feel like. I do what I'm supposed to do, do what I have to do. So I'm not going to lie and say I don't. I, yeah, if you want to take a break, but I'm not going to take a break. It's all gas. All gas, no breaks on this end. All about the grind, man. One one, one last grind. question. One last question yes, for you. Uh, with Late Gate Radio, in your opinion, what does complete success look like for you? Is there like a certain number of uh, viewers that you want one day? Do you want a major a deal with a major radio station? Or is it right now, what you have right now, is this, you know, the pinnacle of what you hope to reach with people uh, just checking in and you playing underground music? Well, well, first of all, a lot of people don't know I got a degree in telecommunications from Alabama and the university. So that's why, like, I always loved music since I was a kid. My mama bought me the boom box when I was 13 and got my own room. She gave, she bought me a stereo. And from there, I always bought music. I had my first car radio when I was 16, had my own speaker. So music has always been something that I love. You know, I always been, like, music and sports, that's what I love throughout my whole life. So with Lake Gay Radio, I would love to have my own radio station, like my own radio show or whatever. But if that never happens, this is something that I believe in. And if it only grows so far and I'm able to do things throughout my community and the people really believe me and see me as an honest man and it, and all that comes from this, hey, man, I'm happy with it because at the end of the day, I'm educated. I'm always being employed, if the Lord's willing, 
and I'm always be able to put food on my table and have a roof over my head because I don't burn bridges. I don't treat people in a bad way, so I know somebody will pick me up if I'm down. So with Lake Gay Radio, I wanted to go to the universe, but hey, if it don't get to that point, I'll never be disappointed with it. Love that answer, man. My, you can follow him on Facebook, Montrez Slater, Lake Gate Radio, every Monday and Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Man, I want to thank you again for coming on. And I also want to thank you for the support, man. You shared our podcast many times on social media. And me and Frank, we really appreciate that. So thanks for coming on. And we appreciate the support, too, man. Hey, man, I want to tell y'all, man, like what y'all doing when I first saw y'all show, man. Like, I loved it. Like, when I listened to it, I was like, dang, because I, I had already been seeing Byron, you know, post stuff with, you know, in D.C. And, like, I think we even spoke one time, like, like boy, you're yeah. in a big spot. Like, you're doing, you know, you're doing <laughs> good. Like, I'm proud of you. You remember that conversation, Pete? I do. I do, man. But, but you know, but, but seeing you guys do that, and, and Frank, my little cousin, man, I always knew both of y'all boys were very intelligent. Y'all whole crew from Ferg, all y'all always been some very smart boys, so. I really follow y'all lead on the political game because I don't get into that stuff because it's way over my head. And to see you, you young brothers, where you are today, and I know where you come from. I know the environment you were raised in. I know the type of friends that you have, and I know the type of friends that you have now. You see what I'm saying? So I'm very proud of y'all, of what y'all are doing, and don't stop. And whatever I can do to help y'all on this end while y'all all the way up there, man, just let me know. Don't hesitate, bro, for real. That, that that means a lot, man. I think I can speak for Frank. You mentioned how you're tired before you record. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure he's tired sometimes. I'm tired sometimes, man. But we just, you know, we love it. We keep grinding at it, man. So we definitely understand hey, where you're coming from with that. And, again, man, thanks for coming on, bro. want to thank Montreal Slater once again for joining us Uh even in his answers, Frank, because we, we both mentioned how his energy shows on the show. But even in his, in his answers, you can hear the passion that he has for what he does. And uh, I wish we could have uh, posted, you know, our conversation after the actual interview that the three of us had. Uh, he's a fun guy, very supportive guy. And um, it, it is all love, man. He's doing this for free, for free. He's not getting anything from these artists. So what he's doing is genuine, and I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, what did you take from the interview? What were your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, I just want to thank him for coming on. Thank him for the promotion that he does. You know, we are cousins, so that's, that's you know, he's proven that family really rely on them. You know, just the way he promotes the show, it, it means a lot. Um, you know, I just took away that everything he said was genuine, and I think that, to me stuck out more than anything i know you hear a lot of lip service to people saying oh you know follow your heart do your thing but he's so genuine (laughs) he's so genuine with his passion that he's it's infectious like you like i said you you can you can scroll by it or you can try to scroll by excuse me and then you're like all right what's going on because this guy is up here bouncing around pointing at the screen talking about check in check in for what you know Mm -hmm. and and it's just it's just a very positive thing. And then to find out, like I, said, I didn't even know prior to the interview that he was doing it for no cost. I think that's a great thing that shows his passion is, is true, his, his real, you know, his real his integrity to come in and promote other people that he may not get anything from to make them better. That's that's true altruism. I mean, when we talk about things, that's just a great spirit. And, and so, like I said, just just sh- you know, shouts out to Late Gate, and you know, hopefully. Um, like I said, he'll come back on the show maybe later in the season or next season and just continue to know, listen about his journey and just, just continue to grow with him. 
Again, that's Mondays and Wednesdays at 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, follow him, Montreal Slate, on Facebook and check in Late Gate Radio. It's a party. Uh, before we leave, Frank, uh, Bill O'Reilly, I guess he was on, I think it was Fox and Friends last week. And Maxine, they were showing a clip of Maxine Water, excuse me, Congressman, Congresswoman Maxine Waters giving a speech. And they wanted his opinion on it. And, you know, we talked about comedians at the top of the show. Bill O'Reilly tried his hand at being comedic. And he said, you know, I didn't hear a word she said. I was too busy looking at the James Brown wig that she was wearing. And I think the male co-host, he got a laugh out of it. But the female co-host kind of tried to stick up for Maxine Waters and say, you know, she's an attractive woman. What are you talking about? And uh, but Bill O'Reilly, he wound up apologizing for the comment and said it was stupid. And that's usually what happens when non-comedians try to be comedic. They usually say something dumb. So uh, he did apologize. There are a lot of people that are saying that it was racist. It came from a, a, a racist uh, foundation with his comments. I, you know, I'm, people may get mad. I can't go that far with it. I think um, the charge of racist comes from Bill O'Reilly's history uh, with him boycotting Ludacris over li- lyrics and um the whole what was the name of the restaurant in New York? Silvio's, I think it was where he, you know, he made some racially comments about black people up in there. Uh, but I didn't think this was necessarily racist. I thought it was dumb. And my thing, my question to him is you making fun of her hair. What about your boy? Like you love Donald Trump. You have him on the show every day before he became president. You got the nerve to talk about her hair when your boy got probably the <laughs> the worst hair we've seen in presidential history. So I just wanted to know, did you agree with the outrage that you saw over his comments? Uh, do you think they came from a racist point or just, you know, dumb comments from a, a white guy trying to be a comedian? I, I, I just I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say it was racist from a standpoint of who Bill O'Reilly is. Now, if it just been some random guy in your office, maybe making a bad joke, you, you know, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, dude, that wasn't funny. Shut up. But he I, I think you got to look a little bit deeper into into who he is and the things he talks about. And he he has a long history of disparaging black people. And if you think about James Brown, James Brown is a great artist. Right. But he has a certain connotation He's an older artist, and I think that his, you know, sometimes you think about his iconic screaming and yelling. It it, it almost looks like a minstrel show that, you know, pe- white people may have done in blackface. So there's something to that to me where you're talking about this woman has James Brown wig on because maybe some, you know, years ago you'd have white people dressing up like black people in blackface with a wig like that on. It's just to me, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't what he said. It was who he is and the connotation maybe of what he said. And I might be reading too much into it, but I mean, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. That's the thing. It's not as if it was, you know, somebody random who who just maybe made a bad joke. This is a guy who has constantly, you know, basically when when Michelle Obama said slaves with the White House, his his retort was, well, they were fed. He, you know, has been very openly critical of Colin Kaepernick. And so just, you know, things like that to me don't he doesn't have any uh, any room in in his his, uh, how would you say he doesn't have any rope to spare when it comes to to any any type of racist comment. So I'm not going to give him a pass. I'm going to say that they came from a racist place. 
Um, it, it probably was not the most racist thing he's ever done or said, but certainly it was par for the course. And I'm glad that Maxine Waters, I'm glad her response was so strong uh, to that to, to show him that, hey, you can say whatever you like to say, but I'm going to be me. And, you know, it's, it's too bad that, that more Democrats don't have a, a spine like Maxine Waters, because to me, that's what the Democratic Party is lacking. And and, 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 and going back to your article, which which you brought up, um, you, you know, Black Awakenings, MyShopify.com, you know, you talk about will the real GOP please stand up. There is so, so much spineless legislation going on or so much spineless action going on during this legislation. She's one of the few people that is standing up and, and making her voice heard. So I just applaud her for that. And I applaud her for not taking anything from Bill O'Reilly as well. He uh, he categorically rejects the notion of white privilege. Uh, so I guess what I got from your answer is it's because of who he is. So could I guess my other question for you is, could any white person make the statement that he made and they not get charged with racism? Or is it pretty much because some of the comments I saw were pretty much no white man should be coming on a black woman's hair, uh, period. So for you, is it uh, the person, Bill O'Reilly, or is it no white man should be commenting on a black woman's hair? I think it's just, I mean, two things, right? I think Bill O'Reilly is a racist. So when he makes that comment, it just goes right along with who he is. He's a racist to me. Like, I, you can't convince me otherwise. I'm not, I'm not here to obviously debate about that. Now, a white person can still make an insensitive racist remark without without being a racist yes you know yes and, and that yes. and that's the point right so you know there are white people who have maybe said the n-word or made a comment or said something that was kind of like eh, you know not they didn't mean it in a way they thought they were being cool thought they were being down I was like nah bro you can't do that and they're like oh i'm sorry you know and that doesn't make them racist you can you know we can all make a racist comment or or, or an improper comment but it's not you're not it's not the same thing as being a racist over past action. So I would say, yes, it's possible for a somebody, you know, somebody else to make the comment and not be a not be necessarily labeled racist. But the remark itself will always be racist because it comes from a place that's nowhere. I don't know how it's not racist based on James Brown and things I talked about earlier about the wigs and the minstrel shows and things like that. That to me will always be a racist comment, but it doesn't always mean that a racist person made it. This might be in poor taste. There's a lot of things that you know people don't understand. I think that there's a, such a separation sometimes between the white and black culture. Certainly for white people that may not have to grow up around black people, they can think they can say certain things and think it's funny, and then they realize, oh, that was not funny at all, and they feel embarrassed. So I think you've seen that, and I think if it falls more along along lines of that, and I would yes, pretty much agree with you that if it's not something positive. Um, a white guy probably shouldn't be commenting on a black woman's hair. I, I was just happy to see him uh, be in some hot water because I'm not a huge fan of that guy. So that was good to see. Uh, one note before uh, we conclude, uh, we've mentioned Black Awakenings a few times. Uh, I just want to remind everybody it's not too late. You can get uh, shirts, sweatshirts on their website. You can go to blackawakenings.com or blackawakenings.myshopify.com. And uh, they have a, a new selection of, uh, I guess you can call them feminine colors for the women uh, with pink and berry and all these different colors of the shirts. Rosa Parks uh, shirts, Martin Luther King tees, uh, Frederick Douglass, they're all in. Check them out. And for our listeners, we're offering 10 percent off. 
So just put in the discount code Byron and Frank on the payment page and you'll get 10 percent off your entire order. There's some really great stuff on there. I have a shirt. I have two of them now. Uh, and I do thank those that have made a purchase and, you know, tell a friend it's some great stuff and you can get a discount with it. And uh, once again, while you're on the website, check check us out every Monday. Every Monday, we're going to be posting new articles. Frank has uh, King Kong ain't got bleep on me as well as uh, the intimidation game. And I'm sorry, the imitation game. And I have the. Uh, that's why I don't fool with black businesses as well as hear no evil, see no evil. So check out those articles. Check us out every Monday on blackawakenings.com. Just want to thank all the listeners again. Shout out to uh, Montrez again. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, shout out to Late Gate again. Uh, we just want to thank all the listeners uh, tuning in. First time listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you'll be back. We hope you continue to uh, recommend the show to your different friends. We know it's an off year. It's not an election year, but it's, it's definitely important to be plugged into everything we're talking about. It's very important. As you know, it's 2017. We're almost again. We're almost a, we're a quarter of the way through 2017, and before you know, we'll be in 2018, and we'll have those midterms. So it's very important to stay on top of all this stuff. Uh, we just want to, uh, you know. We just, I just cannot express how much gratitude I have for this show. You know, we're, we're very excited to be able to share this information with you guys. And we just continue to hope that you tune in. So we'll see you soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.